Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is time. Silver and black today. The Tuesday edition. Hopefully you took Monday to breathe a little bit and realize the world is not coming to an end. I swear it's not, Raider Nation. Things will be okay. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you. Uh, the hosts of this show, we appreciate your support. Please subscribe if you're listening to us on the audio feed. You're already there and we appreciate that. Uh, wherever you get your audio, Apple or Spotify, wherever you like to listen to us, We appreciate the support. And if you're watching us on YouTube and taking part in the chat, which is always lively, Mo and I are always in there mixing it up with you guys, having some fun, and we appreciate that. Hit the notification buttons as well as the subscribe button. That way, you know, every time there's a new video, your phone or wherever you are will tell you that Mo and I are gracing your screens, and we certainly appreciate that. Mo is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. By the way, that is why he's not on the post-game shows on Sunday. It's not because he doesn't want to be here or because he isn't my co-host. It's because he is slammed for like 16 hours on Sundays with his Bleacher Report duties. So he is back here on a Tuesday. This is where we break down the game a little more in depth with him, get his thoughts, and then talk about the subjects at hand that you all are talking about. Mo, uh, you picked the Chargers in this game. You were absolutely right. It was a close game in the end. It appeared early that maybe the Chargers could run away with it. Raiders kept it close. And as many fans have said over the last couple days as this has sunk in, they still had a chance to win this game, even though uh, there were some some warts on the face, if you will. Uh, so tell us about your initial action. You went and you watched the game late Sunday night after you were done writing for 16 hours. Um, what did you think? What stuck out for you in this loss to the Chargers? I find it 
interesting that if you get online and that's probably the worst thing you can do after a loss <laughs> is people are talking about Derek Carr as if he's Drew Locke. And I tweeted on Monday afternoon that Derek Carr hasn't has had three three interception games in his career. So three games out of 128, he's thrown three interceptions in a single game. Terrible. So for the people, so for the people who bought Derek Carr's stock in the offseason and are selling it right now, you might want to hold off on that because this isn't the norm for him. Mm-hmm. I expect him, this is probably going to be the worst, one of the worst games of, of his season, of his 2022 season. And I think he'll bounce back against the Cardinals. So I will pump the brakes on that. The other thing that stood out to me was I feel like, and I know hindsight is always 2020. But I feel like Josh McDaniels should have played Derek Carr and some of more of the starters on that offense, simply because when you have a new regime coming in, a new coaching staff coming in, installing a new system, I know practices and joint practices matter, but I think when you're installing, you need to have some game action, at least a couple mm. of series, maybe three series, and at least one game. Because, And I'm not saying Derek Carr was off because he didn't play in the preseason, because there are plenty of other quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason and looked sharp. In week one. So maybe Derek Carr is one of those guys that needs a couple of series or three or four during the preseason, especially in a new system before he gets out there for week one. But with him in that O-line, a lot of people are saying, well, the O-line was bad. Derek Carr had a bad game. Two things can be true. Derek Carr can could have a bad game, which he did. And the O-line wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse considering who they were going up against with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the other side. But I feel like Derek Carr, for the most part, especially early in the game, he had enough time to deliver some accurate passes, and he just didn't do that. That's correct. And by the way, we are, because everybody out there is going to say, why aren't you talking about the offensive line? We've been talking about it for so long. I wish it was awesome so we didn't have to talk about it. But we will talk about it in segment number two. And in segment number three, we're going to talk about the coaching staff. Some of what we saw there when Josh McDaniels' first game, Mo just mentioned a little bit with the preseason and maybe uh, questioning whether or not uh, the starters could have gotten a series or two, at least in one of the games. They had an extra preseason game, remember? So by the time they got to the final one, perhaps they could have let those guys play a little bit. I've been in the camp of, no, it doesn't really matter. So I'll be interested to hear your point uh, in depth on that, Mo. But we'll stick with Derek Carr right now. I know a lot of people are talking about it. Those that dislike Derek Carr, the Carr haters, as they're called. I'm not calling you haters. I'm just saying that's what the community calls you. Um Again, I told you so is their basic underlying message for car folks who are very supportive of Derek Carr. And I mean, very supportive in that they really don't feel like he can do anything wrong. uh, They are defending him and giving him excuses. I don't think there's excuses here. And you just said it, Mo. Two things can be correct. One, Derek Carr had a really bad game. It's plain and simple. It is. And if you don't think he did and you want to blame it on the offensive line and you want to blame it on a new system, I think you're off base. Does that contribute? Absolutely it does. But he is a veteran quarterback with all of, as you guys all say, as we've said here on the show, with all the tools he needs. Okay, so he had it there. And yes, there were some issues with the offensive line. But I want to start with that because Derek Carr, 22 of 37, 295 yards, two touchdowns, three picks, two fumbles, two fumbles that were recovered by the Raiders, thank goodness for them, Uh, but at the same time, you're talking about five 
turnovers, sort of. Three turnovers completely, and uh, ball protection was, again, an issue for Derek Carr. And to your point, three interceptions, he hasn't had that very much in his career. It's an anomaly, okay? It's an anomaly. He doesn't throw a ton of picks like that uh, in a game, and so we saw it on Sunday in Los Angeles. Now, Mo, with this particularly, I'm going to give you my concern with it, and it's a little bit different than what I've been hearing folks talk about. So all of this, having a bad game, again, it's not indicative of how his season moved. I have not moved on my position that I believe he will have an excellent season. But what bothered me about it more than anything was this was the first game of the season. Expectations were high. Uh, he was fresh. Everything was good to go. Devontae Adams had a massive day, clearly. But it bothers me that a veteran quarterback comes out that flat in an opening game right? That is troubling to me just because I don't know where his headspace was. I'm not blaming it. I don't know. I'm not Derek Carr. I'm not going to sit here and subscribe why he had a bad game. He said in the postgame press conference, it was because he was being too aggressive. He was trying too hard. But why would you? A nine-year veteran, you should be calm. You should be collected. You have the ball to distribute to so many guys. And to me, that's what bothered me about it. Uh, And we'll get into some of the technical details of what went wrong. But do you get my point there? Is that is there something there, or is that it, it, it bothers me that a quarterback of that caliber came out like that? Yeah, I get your point on that. The only thing here is you have to weigh the human element. So remember, mm. the Raiders brought in Derek Carr's good friend Devontae Adams, and I think he wanted to show off that connection with Devontae Adams. Ah. Devontae had 17 targets, and I tweeted this after the game. If you're going to throw to someone that many times, you're making it easier for defenders to make a play on the ball because more times than not, they're going to cheat on on their assignments because they know where you're going with the football. You're going to Devontae Adams. So you saw a lot of him throwing into double, triple coverage. And there's a reason for that because the defenders knew, okay, he's probably going to go to Devontae. Let me lean over this way. Let me lean over that way. The other thing is a lot of people are brought up, well, Derek Carr did this last year with Darren Waller. He had a bunch of targets that didn't go to anyone else. The difference here is I can understand him doing that against the Ravens in the season opener last year because he had some young wide receivers and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards that he didn't trust yet. Correct. In this case, he's been playing with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro for three years. So there was no reason for him to not trust those two guys over Devontae Adams because he has a rapport with those guys already, unlike he had with Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. So it goes back to my point about the human element. I think he just wanted to show off his connection with Devontae Adams and it just goes into his head like I'm going to go to my guy and we're going to write and we're going to win this game and it didn't work out that way because these defenders and these defensive coordinators are smart and they again they can clue in where you're going with the football and it factored into his interceptions and that's what happened on Sunday for me good point I mean you look at Devontae Adams with just an amazing day and it just goes to show that he's the best wide out in the game I believe and he had three times as many receptions as the next player. Okay, almost three times, a little less. But still, to your point. Now, in certain games, we know in the flow of a game, depending on a defensive pl- game plan of, of an opposing team, that sometimes you have to go to a guy a little more than you would. You don't distribute the ball because of something that's happening defensively. Or somebody has a hot hand, and they continue to be open, uh, and there's always opportunities, so you feed them. And I understand that. But you're right here because Hunter Renfro didn't get a target till the middle of the third quarter, okay? 
And people mm. caught on to that quickly. And so, so you're right. I think it probably was the human element. And again, that goes back to, okay, you're coming out in the opening game on the road against an AFC West foe. You got to use, you can't pedal with one foot, so to speak. You got to pedal with both feet. You got to use everything at your disposal. And in watching the game film after uh, and doing it on, on Monday morning, as I did, I saw several times where he went to Devontae Adams, made a completion. So, hey, it's, it's a net positive, no question. But you look, you look in the background, you see Darren Waller eight yards downfield wide open, right? Or at least open enough that he would have gotten a pass and you would have had a, a net larger gain out of it. You saw Hunter Renfro, the same thing. And even sometimes the running back coming out of the backfield, uh, different guys, you, you had opportunities there. So it can be true that Derek Carr had a bad game. And I don't want to hear people blaming the offensive line. Was he under pressure? Yes, we know the number of sacks. That's not good either. And Josh McDaniels on the Monday press conference said something that really bothered me. It's the first time I've been irritated with the coach. And we'll talk about that in segment three. But uh, you have to be able to uh, not only continue to have that rhythm with all of your receivers, but you need to do that for your team. And I think this game was lost because of a team loss, but Derek Carr certainly shoulders a lot of the responsibility. He took it, which is never good enough because people are tired of Derek Carr taking responsibility. But at the same time, in this case, I think it's genuine. I think he meant it. And I think you should just accept it. Yeah, I think he understands what he did wrong. What annoyed me after the game is that after Derek Carr's presser, he basically told everyone, look, as you said, I, you know, I was too aggressive. You know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but pushing the ball downfield when he could have took other targets, other areas of the field and got an open receiver, as you said. So he basically is telling you, I should have taken what the defense gave me at certain points. Now, I will say that if Derek Carr turned in the check down car, people will have a problem with that. <laughs> So it's it's damn if you do, damn if you don't with, with Derek Carr. So I'd rather an aggressive Derek Carr who's pushing the ball downfield than a scared Derek Carr who's throwing five-yard outs because then people will say, well, he's got all these weapons. Why isn't he pushing the ball downfield? It's hard being the quarterback in the NFL. You have to know balance. When to push the ball, when to take when the defense gives you. He didn't have that balance on Sunday. He sure didn't. And you talked about being aggressive. And I agree. Look, if you make a, a mistake being aggressive – I'm usually, and I think fans should be, uh, okay with that. The issue was uh, throwing the balls that he threw. To me, not only was he, if he went into pressure, a defensive back makes a nice play, they go up for a jump ball and somebody grabs it. Okay, it happens, right? It happens to Tom Brady. It happens to all the great quarterbacks in the NFL. With Derek Carr, he seemed to be underthrowing the ball. It seemed to have a lack of zip. Whereas last year, for example, I saw him step into his throws and make those throws, not all completions, by the way, I'm not talking about just the ones he completed, but even those that were incomplete, and they seem to have a little more zing. Is that mental too? Um, because the physical side of it, I've, I've not seen Derek Carr have any issues physically throwing the ball, but it certainly seemed like he was doing much more of a trying to maybe pinpoint the ball more, and in so took some zip off it. Some of that is body mechanics, and a lot of coaches and scouts will tell you quarterback has to step up into a throw before he delivers it. And if you don't step up into the throw, the ball can be flat. Uh, interesting note, Derek Carr threw an interception to his all three of his top pass catchers. The first one, yes. I believe, uh, underthrown to Waller. 
The second one underthrown to uh, another one underthrown to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams actually put his hand up to, you know, get the ball and Derek Carr threw it to him. Didn't have enough zip on it. The one to Hunter Renfro wasn't underthrown. I think he, I don't think he placed it well. I think he needed to place it further outside where only his receiver can get it. So that's why Bryce Callahan was able to jump the route and get the interception on that one. So I think the la- the other one to Hunter Renfro was just basically bad ball placement. Uh, maybe he could have gone elsewhere with the football, but if you're going to go there, you have to place it where only your receiver can get it. No doubt. Uh, and 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 that's the thing, Mo. I think that you, you look at the situation, and okay, so Derek Carr had a bad game. Uh, I saw a lot of people, and I'm not joking, and I'm not trying to be funny, basically calling the season already over. Now, if you're a Cowboys fan, you have more of an argument there. But I think with this Raiders team, you saw flashes. I, I was encouraged. Uh, I thought most of all with the play calling, there were some a couple, there were a couple doozies I couldn't understand, like the reverse uh, that was going to be a pass from Devontae Adams when your line is struggling and you do a really slow developing play. Kelly Kreiner pointed it out on Twitter, and I agree with that one. There were some other issues, but overall I, I was buoyed by the fact that this offense, especially early, I mean, you saw what it can do when it's moving the ball and when it's doing uh, what it needs to do. But we saw a lack of the ability to establish the run. Josh Jacobs did really well, but they didn't feed him. It stopped. The offensive line maybe wasn't getting enough uh, push there. We saw a lot of runs that didn't get very much gain from the line of scrimmage. Um, And to me, that was concerning because you said it last week as we previewed this game with Nick Cothrell from Sports Illustrated, who covers the Chargers, that they needed to establish that running game to sort of set this game up well and to keep the ball, keep possession, keep the ball away from Justin Herbert, and they just weren't able to do that. Right, and the Raiders were pretty much in this game for most of the contest. So Josh Jacobs running, I believe, for 5.7 yards per carry. I believe he had 10 rushes for 57 yards. Uh, They didn't – they could have – they could have – had more balance with the offense. But again, I think with Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams, that connection, I believe that kind of took over the game to the point where, yeah, Devontae Adams' numbers look great and, and the connection is obviously on point, but you got to get other people involved. You got to get other weapons involved. I mean, you saw Justin Herbert throw to guys like DeAndre Carter when Keenan Allen went down. Uh, uh, I believe they had a, an undrafted tight end, Hor- Horfrath or whatever his name is. Sorry if I'm pronouncing <laughs> his name. I apologize, but basically an unknown tight end scoring a touchdown there. So you saw Justin Herbert spreading the ball around. Of course, he had – and Mike Williams didn't even have a good game. Mike Williams got locked down by the Raiders' defense for a consecutive game. He didn't have a good game last time they played in Week 18. Got shut down again. So – you see Herbert spreading the ball around. You see Carr giving the ball to Devontae Adams, and you see the stark difference in the result is, yes, this guy can have great numbers, but you got to get other people involved. you got to force the defense to defend you in different ways. Be less predictable because it pays off in the end. Absolutely. Okay, we are going to step aside for our first break here on the Tuesday edition of Silver and Black. Today, when we return, we'll talk a little bit about that offensive line. We'll talk about also a move the Raiders made Because guess what? The injury bug is already here for Las Vegas. Uh, Hopefully not for too long and hopefully not too serious, but we'll talk about that as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today with Mo Moten, Scott Branson. We'll be back right after this.